Hey friends, and welcome to episode 15 of It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's episode is all about money. When I asked you guys on Instagram how money talk makes you feel, but with emojis, I got a lot of green face throwing up emojis, mind blown emojis, upside down smiley faces, and some sobbing emojis. I feel you. I really, really do. I have never been super comfortable with money and am always envious of those easy breezy financial unicorns who love spreadsheets and everything about investing just clicks for them. But as a coach, I also know how to identify limiting beliefs aka beliefs you have about something like money, that are not only untrue, but are holding you back from achieving your potential. So I admit, I have some limiting beliefs about money that I'm still working through. And I know that my first step to smashing those limiting beliefs is to watch my mouth. I'm working to banish negative talk about money from my daily conversation and my internal self-talk. No more, ugh, I suck at money, or ugh, I just don't understand my retirement stuff. Instead, I'm working to replace those limiting beliefs with things like, I can figure this out. I will get the hang of this. I can understand money and totally thrive. So if you're listening to this episode and you're already feeling the vomit emoji feelings, hang tight. Tell yourself that yes, you can do this. You are smart, you are capable, and you can understand money things. That said, it shouldn't come as a surprise that I am not a financial advisor and this episode does not constitute any type of financial advice. This is just me sharing my money story. And in this episode, I'm digging into how I keep up with my family and business finances every Friday with my Finance Friday routine. I'll be talking about that time I paid off 13 grand in credit card debt back in 2017 without a full-time job. And I'm sharing how I'm pressing the reset button on my family and business finances in February by having my own Finance February. Y'all know I love some themes and alliteration. In this episode, I'll be sharing details, routines, and stuff I use to do finance things, but don't sweat it if you're out and about, because as usual, all of these details will be captured in the show notes over at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 15. And this week, I've got not one, but two bonuses up my sleeve for you. Waiting for you in the show notes, you'll find my exact Finance Friday checklist aka the things I do on Friday, as inspiration for your new money routine. And I'm sharing a super comprehensive resource guide with all of my favorite time management and productivity resources in the Ultimate Time Management Toolkit. And one more time, you can grab those at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 15. And if you haven't yet, I encourage you to click the subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes and surprise bonus episodes go live. If you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. 
Your reviews play a huge role in helping others find It's About Time in the search results. And you might just get a shout out in a future episode like this one from HAP662. Is that HAP? HAP662? <laughs> we'll go with it. HAP662 was so kind to leave a five-star rating and review in iTunes for It's About Time. HAP662 writes, practical and useful. Anna does a thoughtful job giving practical tips and tools to help make meaningful changes in my time management routine. Well, HAP662, thank you so much for your kind review. I really do try to speak from the heart and interview down-to-earth guests with interesting real-life perspectives on how they do work, life, and balance. I'm so glad that you're enjoying the show, and I'm so thankful to have you as a listener and subscriber. All right, it's about time we get started, so let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Money is one of those things that's often shunned from polite conversation. It's tacky to talk about money. That's supposed to be private. But let's be real. Money is something that we all have to deal with in some way or another. And managing your finances is not a skill that we're born with. Sure, some of us have a natural preference for details, formulas, and love spreadsheets, and that's awesome. But not all of us are built that way, which is also awesome. Me, I love a good spreadsheet, but not necessarily the ones with decimals and complex equations in them. In fact, a few years ago at a conference, I heard financial and business consultant Shanna Skidmore speak about the four money mindsets, spender, saver, avoider, and martyr. Spenders love to spend. The ability to spend makes them feel secure. They spend for approval or love, and they believe that money is the solution to the problem. Savers love to save. They love security and feel like no amount of money is enough. They're typically super frugal and love to watch that savings account balance grow and grow. Avoiders try to avoid dealing with money altogether. Like they know they need it, but they lack confidence when it comes to money. It all just feels complicated And they'll skip checking their bank balance because maybe if they don't know what's going on, they don't have to face what's happening. Martyrs believe that the desire for money is evil, so they give it all away. In business, for example, martyrs are often the ones who give away too much for free. Or in family life, they donate a lot or give away to others because they feel bad having it. Now, I'm probably not doing Shanna's descriptions of the four money mindsets justice, 
And you can learn more about Shanna at shannaskidmore.com, link in the show notes. But I learned in her talk that my money mindset leans avoider. And here's how I know. This is really embarrassing, but before I started coaching, I served several marketing and political clients doing social media, public relations, and speaking engagement pitching. For one of my clients, I just felt like I wasn't doing enough. The silly thing is, is that I was doing exactly what my contract required of me. I was delivering the deliverables, I was socialing the media, and the client was happy. But because I felt like I wasn't providing enough value, I avoided invoicing this client for seven straight months. Seven months, all because of a confidence issue. I was clearly avoiding facing my money and my value head first. And yes, I did finally invoice the client and all is well. And most importantly, I've come to terms with my avoider tendencies. You know, I'm a fan of personality assessments like the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. And Shanna's Money Mindsets was another tool that helped unlock my best way of facing the financial music. In order to pump the brakes on being an avoider, I knew that my prescription would be regular money check-ins, but that I needed to make it easy on myself and turn it into a habit so that I'd stick with it. This is where my Finance Friday routine was born. In my Trello, I keep a 32-point list of things I do on Friday. If you've ever glanced at one of my Friday to-do lists or looked over my shoulder and seen my calendar time blocks and seen T-I-D-O-F and wondered what it stood for, that's things I do on Friday. And I'll get into what those 32 points consist of in just a bit, but I want to talk more about the routine piece first. So you might be thinking, every Friday? You do financial things every Friday? Yep. And here's why. Shanna, who taught about the money mindsets, recommends a monthly money date. And I tried that, but it didn't feel frequent enough for me. A lot can happen in 30 days, and your spending can totally go off the rails real quick if you don't watch out. I found that things were slipping through the cracks, and if something came up and I wasn't able to do my monthly money date on the day that I'd planned... I'd sometimes go a month and a half or maybe even two months without checking in, and there was usually some kind of mess waiting for me. I also tried every other week, but it presented a similar issue as monthly. If I missed a Friday or ran late on going through my routine, I often cut it really close for making a payment or transferring funds. Weekly just happened to be the best fit for me. It might not be for you, but you've got to do some trial and error and see what works best for you. Now, with my weekly routine, if I miss a Friday, which is super rare because it's become such an ingrained part of my week, or if I run a little late and maybe do Finance Friday on Sunday or Monday, I'm still checking in frequently enough to not cause any damage with a late payment. Another reason why I do weekly Have you ever heard someone joke about scheduling time to worry? Knowing that my weekly money routine is coming up on Friday keeps me from checking my bank account 37 times during the week. 
I probably used to check my bank account like 15 times a day. And why? It's not like it was changing dramatically between 8 a.m. and 11.47 a.m. It was just compulsive, almost like a cycle of check email, check bank account, check Facebook, check favorite blog to see if there's a new post, check Instagram, repeat, repeat, repeat. Now, I rarely check my bank account or any of my accounts during the week because I know that I've got scheduled time to worry about it on Friday. So let me get into what exactly I'm doing on Fridays. I have four separate checklists inside a card in Trello. And as a quick reminder, Trello is a free task management tool that I use to run basically my entire life. The checklists are called Family Account Survey, Bill Pay, Business Bookkeeping, and Admin. And by the way, all of these checklists can be found in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 15. Family Account Survey has eight items in the checklist, starting with Update Family Financial Snapshot. Basically, I have a Google Sheet where every week I manually enter the balance of our checking accounts, our savings account, and the balances on all of our credit cards and PayPal. Normally, you know I'm all about automating and making things quick, but I've found, especially when aggressively paying off debt, which I'll get to in a bit, I've found that manually entering those numbers makes you feel them a little more. With all of the automated payments and card swipes, I find that sometimes you just don't feel the transactions. That family financial snapshot lives on a Google Sheet and is linked up directly in the Trello card, followed by links to three banks, three cards, and PayPal. I'll open each link, update the snapshot spreadsheet with balance information, then I'll transfer funds as needed. Next is the bill pay checklist with three items. A lot of our bills are on auto pay, but these three aren't. So I click each link, one for our water bill, our electricity, and our trash pickup. I'll review, pay if needed, and move on. Then I move on to my business bookkeeping checklist. I have a separate spreadsheet in Google Sheets, similar to the family financial snapshot called 2020 Financials. I check out my business checking accounts, savings accounts, and my business credit card. I have a Chase Inc. card, if you're curious, and my business PayPal account. I'll update 2020 financials with any new income on the income sheet. I also manually input all of my business expenses from the previous week on an expenses page and make notes, like whether they were associated with a specific client or project, And if I know the expense category for taxes offhand, I've got a column for keeping track of that too. And yes, I said manually. I don't use QuickBooks for my business bookkeeping. I just keep a simple spreadsheet. This is what works for my business right now. And just like manually entering the totals on our family snapshot, typing in Starbucks $6.79 several times in one week, makes me pull back on the coffee fix the following week. Going through my transactions line by line also helps me recognize if something doesn't look right, like the time I was charged twice for a printing order. 
And it makes prepping my financials for my CPA a whole lot easier when I do it week by week. There's no April 14th scramble to get everything done and file an extension. And yes, I have a CPA do our taxes for us. There's a lot that I'm willing to do myself. And back when I was an easy peasy single girl with just a dog and a W-2, I DIY'd them with TurboTax online. My first year as a consultant, however, I learned my lesson when I majorly screwed up my filing, thought I owed thousands of dollars to the IRS, and had to be rescued by a CPA. So I've trusted him with our taxes ever since. One more thing to add here, I use the profit first method of managing my business money. This is detailed in the book Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. That means I have five separate accounts within my bank. Income, profit, owner's comp, tax, and operating expenses. You should have seen me trying to explain this to my rep at the bank. (laughs) Thankfully, they allowed me to open each account for free. Right now, I'm using Michalowicz's default percentages for distributing my income to each account, but I'll be revisiting those percentages this month. Also, if you use the Profit First method in your business, I would love to hear from you. Shoot me an email at Anna at AnnaDCornick.com and let me know how it's working for you. And if you're curious about Profit First and think it might be a good fit for your business, there's a link waiting for you over in the show notes. After I check my business accounts, distribute funds to each of my accounts using the Profit First method, and manually capture and categorize business expenses, I move on to admin. Another reason why I always do this on Friday is because it's something that feels productive and is obviously important to my family and my business, but it's really easy and kind of mindless. This is when I'll sort all of my drives in Mile IQ, an app I use to track my drives. As a business owner, you can write off either your miles driven for business purposes or you can deduct auto-related expenses, but you have to choose one or the other. I chose mileage. Basically, with Mile IQ, it shows me all of my drives from the previous week and I swipe left or swipe right depending on whether it's a business drive or a personal drive. Then it puts everything into a beautiful spreadsheet that I download at the end of the year and hand over to my CPA. Literally, all I'm doing is swiping left or right and adding to my eventual tax deduction. It's a win-win. Also on the admin checklist, these are less financial and more general admin, but they're worth a share because they're such an important part of the routine. Sorting my Trello in-tray, stuff that I've captured on the fly and needs to go to a specific board or list. Scrolling through new email subscriptions using unroll.me and either unsubscribing or adding things to my roll-up. If my receipts folder is getting full, I'll move receipts to month-specific envelopes in my file cabinet. I'll clear out random, no longer needed downloads in Canva. I'll check supply levels like printer ink, my favorite blue pens, printer paper, loose leaf, and add them to an Amazon shopping list. I'll check birthdays and make a note to pick up cards or text a Starbucks gift card. And the last five things on the list are so key to my sanity and ending the week on a good note. I'll clear out my downloads folder 
either deleting things or moving them to my Google Drive. Without realizing it, your downloads folder can get so full of stuff that you don't even realize is taking up space on your computer. I'll clear off my laptop desktop. I don't know about you, but I screenshot a lot of things during the week. And if I open my laptop to start my day and all I can see is a jumbled mess, I'm starting the day without the clear state of mind that I like to have when I'm walking into my workday. I empty the physical inbox in my office. I keep a tray on a table in my office, and that's where mail and other physical action items collect during the course of the week. Sometimes I add more action items to my Trello for next week during this part because I'll realize that something in my physical inbox needs to be dealt with. I clear off my desk and I straighten the bookcases behind my desk. Finally, I shut down my laptop and turn off my monitor. Do I always do this perfectly? Nope, but I typically hit at least 75% each week and it helps me stay on top of things and end my week feeling calm. And like I said, it's a great way to end the week when you just want to take it easy and rest your brain for a bit while also feeling productive. So let's do some what ifs. What if Friday isn't good for you? Well, pick another day. Finance Tuesday doesn't quite have the same ring to it, but find a day that works best for you, set a reminder, and make it happen. What if you don't have a consistent schedule each week? My recommendation here would be to make choosing your finance and admin time for the week part of your weekly planning session or weekly preview, whatever you choose to call it. I talk all about how to create a weekly planning session in episode four of It's About Time, but in a nutshell, a weekly planning session is time you set aside each week to look at the week ahead, identify tough spots, and make a bunch of decisions at once, like meal planning or who's driving Carson to soccer practice on Thursday. If your schedule changes from week to week, it's okay for your finance and admin time to be on a different day each week. What if you suck at routines? Newsflash, routines are hard for everyone. We all bring our own unique flavor of procrastination to the table. One thing that made creating this routine easy for me was capturing every single step in the process, putting it into a Trello card, and then setting up a repeating card in Trello. That basically means that every Friday at 5 a.m., a card that says, things I do on Friday magically appears in my Friday list. If you don't use Trello, you can probably set up something similar in whatever program you use, or you can set an alarm or calendar appointment to remind you. If you use a paper planner and you open it every single day, you can write it there. But your paper planner isn't going to ping you when it's time to make it happen. Look, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a grown-up. There's really no good excuse for not staying on top of your money situation, even if you're an avoider like me. We all have online banking and apps now, and the info is at our fingertips. We don't have to keep checkbook logs anymore every time we spend money, and we don't have to drive to the bank and ask the teller how much money we have. We are smart, we are capable, and we can do this. Finance Fridays actually played a huge role in our 
well, my debt payoff a few years ago. In 2017, I set the lofty goal to pay off all of my credit card debt. I'd carried some form of credit card debt since I was a freshman in college. Gosh, like I think back to getting my first credit card and I had no idea how it worked. I didn't understand the monthly payments. I didn't understand interest. I didn't realize that points or benefits or perks were a thing. My starting point in 2017 was about $8,000, not the highest point it had ever been. At that point, I was a newlywed. I'd recently left my full-time job to figure things out, and I was embarrassed. I felt like I'd been carrying this weight on my back for years, all because I bought stuff I probably didn't need to impress other people who didn't matter in the long run. At some point in early 2017, that number climbed from 8,000 all the way up to 13 grand. So I had quite a hole to dig myself out of. My very first version of a Finance Friday involved checking my credit card balances, totaling them up, and calculating the change from week to week. And I kept these numbers in the notes app on my phone. No spreadsheet, no software, just some simple math and seeing whether the number went up or down. Management guru Peter Drucker famously said, what gets measured gets managed. And measuring my debt number from week to week was no different. Whenever the number went up, it felt like a gut punch. Whenever it went down, it was cause to celebrate. This simple practice simply made me more aware of my number on a week-to-week basis. And that, in turn, affected my spending choices. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, in all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. 
You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. So in 2017, I was not consistently employed. In August of 2016, I walked away from my full-time job, determined to figure out what freelancing, self-employment, and eventually business ownership could look like for me. But I did have income, even if it changed from month to month. That year, I did advocacy campaigns in partnership with D.C. lobbying firms, I worked on political campaigns. I did hand calligraphy on wedding invitation envelopes. I painted canvases with baby names for nurseries. I developed thought leadership marketing campaigns for business owners, pitched media, speaking engagements, and created a ton of social media content. We also lived in a free house. And before you get annoyed with me and totally tune out, stay with me because let me tell you what this was like. For us, this move was big, but it was definitely not all picket fences and walk-in closets. In fact, our free house was about the size of a closet. You see, we started 2017 renting a house in Lakeview, a nice neighborhood in New Orleans, but it wasn't cheap. Knowing that we were entering a year of inconsistent income and that we wanted to eventually buy our own home, Scott's parents graciously offered us the opportunity to live in their rental property in a small town outside of New Orleans called Chalmette. So we lived in a 700 square foot house inconveniently located to basically everything in our lives. Scott's commute to work doubled and my commute to my most consistent client more than doubled. But it gave us the opportunity to pay things off And then once we paid things off, start saving for a down payment. You might be thinking, oh, cool, free house. Yeah, that's realistic. And if you're paying down debt, that's probably not what you want to hear, but it's our story. Maybe your version of a free house is downsizing to a smaller place or moving into your parents' guest room. Maybe it's getting a roommate or putting your place up for rent while renting a less expensive place. Here's an example. A friend of mine, she and her husband own a double in Uptown New Orleans. That's New Orleans lingo for a duplex, if you're not familiar with the term. She and her husband and their two kids live in the smaller two-bedroom downstairs part. And they rent out the larger upstairs unit. Their renters are basically paying almost all of their monthly house note, enabling them to put more toward their mortgage each month, which in turn will allow them to pay it off faster, at which point they'll either move into the larger part upstairs and rent out the bottom, or they'll knock down some walls, renovate, and use the whole house. In the short term, it's probably a pain, but in the longer term, it literally pays off. Here are a few more things we did in the year of the debt payoff. We cooked a lot of inexpensive meals at home. We lived pretty frugally, but we also did fun activities with our friends when we wanted to. One expense we did allow ourselves was a gym membership, and I got in really good shape that year because it was my main activity outside of working on my freelance contracts. Also, any found money, like birthday checks, tax refunds, stuff I sold on eBay, etc., all of that went straight to debt payoff. 
So this is where I'll admit that I almost gave up on this goal in October. I had spent week by week watching the numbers go up and down, mostly down, and then up again. When I did the math and realized one Friday in October that my goal might be impossible to hit, I got really down for about three days. I felt like I was just going to be stuck with this forever. I didn't really leave the house, and I just felt super defeated. But after the third day of sitting in those yucky victim mindset feelings, I snapped out of it and started reaching out to some of my contacts. By the end of the following week, I'd locked in enough contract work to miraculously wipe out all of my remaining credit card debt by mid-January. I guess where there's a will, there's a way. So you might be wondering, are we still debt-free? In the spirit of transparency, the short answer is no. We relied on credit cards here and there while I was on maternity leave, and my income dipped really low. We'd saved up and set aside funds in advance, but just didn't quite get our estimates right. But I know that with my monthly money routine, we're consistently chipping away at it, and as usual, any found money goes straight into debt payment. Which leads me to finance February. With a baby, just like napping and feeding schedules, expenses don't stay consistent for long. We just stopped using formula in January, which was a pretty big regular expense. Plus, Scott just started a new job with a new benefits mix. My income from serving longtime marketing clients is being replaced by coaching and speaking income. So, with all of these changes, now is the perfect time for a financial reset. So this is what I'm doing in February. First, I'm pulling the last four months of bank and credit card statements to tally up and get a good look at our spending habits across different categories. These are the categories I use, and you can grab this list in the show notes if you want to use it as inspiration. Anna Beauty, Anna Car Wash, Anna Clothes, Anna Manicure, although I haven't had one of those in a while. Anna Massage. Ooh, I'd really like to do that more often. Babysitters, books, car insurance, car note, causeway tolls, coffee, date night, daycare, dining out, donation, dry cleaning, entertainment, eyebrows, fast food, fitness, gas, gifts, groceries, home items, home maintenance, homeowners association, house projects, life insurance, medical, mortgage, parking, Penelope, that's our Yorkie, Scott Clothes, Scott Haircuts, Scott Miscellaneous, Snacks, Ubers and Lyfts, Utilities, Vacation, and Uncategorized. So this can be tough since often a trip to Target or an Amazon order will include home items, diapers, and clothes. So I do my best to categorize everything, but I also don't worry about getting things exactly down to the penny. Next, I'll look at what's truly fixed, like mortgage, insurance payments, car notes, and Millie's daycare, for example. Then I'll look at what fluctuates from month to month and identify areas that we can cut back. Yes, I totally have a line item for massages, but that doesn't mean I have a standing weekly appointment at the spa. Maybe next year. (laughs) So now that I've got an understanding of what's fixed and what fluctuates, I'll use these estimates to create our monthly spending plan to compare what comes in versus what goes out. I'll also factor in consistent debt payoff. 
One thing that'll be helpful during this process is the fact that I've recently restructured my time management coaching offerings to create more consistency for my clients. And that means more consistency for me too, not just in terms of how often I'm meeting with them and the results they get, but also in creating predictable income projections for myself. If you're a small business owner listening, you know how important those projections can be when planning for the future. Once I've created our spending plan, I might enter all of this into a program like YNAB, which stands for You Need a Budget. I've used YNAB in the past briefly, but honestly got confused and gave up. But Lauren Barbalich, my interview guest in episode two of It's About Time, swears by it. I've also heard about a popular program called Every Dollar. I asked Lauren to tell me about her experience with YNAB and to share her thoughts about Every Dollar. This is what she said. Hey, Anna. Okay, I just wanted to tell you how much I love YNAB. Um, I use it every day, almost. I mean, I'm, I'm pausing because I'm thinking, is this an exaggeration? But I s- probably use it every day, if not at least three times a week. There is the web version and the app, and I don't recommend using the app all the time. It's just like for quick adding transactions or checking to see how much you have in a category, but the website is the way to go as far as balancing and reconciling and moving money around and like getting a good picture of your budget. The big difference between YNAB and every dollar is that in every dollar you tell the program how much money you're going to make that month and then you subtract your transactions from there. So you essentially are working with money that you may not have yet. Whereas with um, YNAB, you are only working with what is actually in your account. So say you only have $100 in your account, it's only going to let you budget $100. And that's where it forces you to change your mind frame and see what do I need to pay with this $100? Do I need to pay my electricity bill? Do I need to get gas? And that's when you'll start to see a shift of priorities for money. And I I was started return items. I was like, this isn't necessary. I need, you know, 20 more dollars to pay this or whatever. A lot of people like to use every dollar because it's free, but YNAB like totally will, you'll make your money back with just savings. I'm a Dave Ramsey follower. I don't know if you are, but a lot of people who are Dave Ramsey followers, that's who uses every dollar. But if you think of YNAB as the electronic enveloping system, it's basically everything that Dave says about uh, envelopes. Like you put the cash in the envelope and use it. That's basically what YNAB is. You put the money in the categories and you can only use what you have in those categories. So that is the main difference to me. It has literally changed our life. I'm not exaggerating one bit. Then she added this. Some other differences are in YNAB, like I was saying earlier on the web version, you want to do this in the web version, you can reconcile, which is basically checking your actual checking account balance compared to your YNAB balance. And you, I do this weekly or like every time we get paid, Andrew gets paid every week, I get paid every two weeks. So I at least do it once a week. And that makes me kind of more confident that these numbers that I'm looking at in YNAB are correct. And that it's not just, I'm more confident to, to spend the money that I have. 
if I know that I'm reconciling the account. And you, you want to do this often or else you'll just get way off track. And then something else is, this is what starts to get fun is whenever you can move your money around and I don't think it's so easy in every dollar. So say you have been putting away $100 every month for vacation and so now you have like $600 in vacation but a big expense comes up and you need to take some money out of that category. In the Facebook group they call it wham which is whack-a-mole and that's like one of the YNAB rules like rolling with the punches. Well you could just take money out of that vacation category and put it wherever you needed like if there was you needed it in medical or you needed it in something else and it's very easy to move. I mean I move money almost every time because I, I just I move the money around based on like what our needs are at that time. And so the thing that I love about it is, you know, every time I get paid, you see, you know, however much money you have to be budgeted, and then you take all the money and fill those categories up. And so I'll like pull calendars out. Do I have to buy birthday gifts? Or, you know, obviously you can know what bills you have coming up. And once you kind of get it straight, it's, you know, like how to, where to put the money each month. And you can add notes like for my, my monthly expenses I'll put the due date for them and so that helps too like I'll say okay these bills are are due before I get paid again I need to pay these now with this money and then if I have leftover money it may go to like things that are not necessary to pay every month but things I want to like save for one thing that every dollar is better for is setting up your budget um, I think that it, it's an easy it's easier to s start with every dollar but then it just gets confusing and it's not effective in the long run. Whereas YNAB is, it's hard to get set up because it's confusing. And like I said, it's a complete mind shift. But once you get the hang of it, it just like clicks and you will never want to go back to another budgeting system. So I told Lauren that factoring in credit card spending is what had confused me in the past. And this is what she had to say about using credit cards with YNAB. Okay, last thing I want to tell you about credit cards. Uh, Andrew and I don't use credit cards personally, but I do have one for Truly Hot, and I was intimidated to set it up for the longest time because it, I didn't understand how it worked. But once I got it, it made it really easy. Basically, anytime you use your credit card, say you spend $15 at Chick-fil-A, whatever that category is that you would use food for, so say the category is food or dining out, whatever, once you fund that category, so once you use your money budgeted to fill that cat fill that category up, it takes that fifteen dollars and puts it in the bottom line called credit card. So it's like put as soon as you fund that category, it basically takes the, the money aside and puts it in your credit card bucket. So whenever you want to pay your card, you'll know you have the amount right at the bottom of what you've spent already. I'm probably making it sound more difficult than it is but once you kind of play around with it it is so easy it's basically like just fund your categories right away you want everything to be green so let me give another example you go and go to the pet store or something okay you have $30 in your pet category you go to buy some food and it's like $22 the transaction comes up and whenever it matches it takes that $22 and subtracts it so now you have $8 left in pet and it moves that $22 directly down to credit card. Years ago, I used something called LearnVest to track spending and budget categories, but it no longer exists. And my friend Sarah keeps it simple and just uses a spreadsheet. So I might go that route. 
Once I've got our family spending plan nailed down, I'll do the same for my business. I keep a separate list of all of the monthly business subscriptions and services I use, so I'm going to take a close look at each of those to make sure I'm getting the most value from each. And if you're curious, right now that list of tools includes Canva, MileIQ, Google Suite, Buffer, Dubsado, Acuity, Planoly, Squarespace, Wave, Libsyn, Zencaster, and Flowdesk. Once I've assessed the subscriptions and locked in my business spending plan, I'm moving on to tackling all of our existing benefit info and insurance. Riveting. So I mentioned earlier that Scott recently started a new job. So I want to make sure that I understand what exactly our family's new health insurance coverage looks like, as well as corral all of our life and disability insurance details. I'll also take a look at our existing car insurance, homeowners, and flood insurance, and potentially price out new options. Once I've got all that insurance info corralled, I'll create or update cards on our Trello home base board. Just like I mentioned earlier, you know that Trello is my go-to task management system, but it's also an incredible place to store information as a resource. Scott and I actually share a Trello board that we call Home Base, and this is where all of our family details live. Anything from links to our family spending plan, the code to the door at Millie's Daycare, our banking info, insurance details, contact info for the plumber and AC repair company we use, and even photos of our health insurance cards are there too. It's a one-stop shop hub of family info, almost like a company handbook, but for our family. Whenever Scott was onboarding his new job, he was able to pull everything he needed in order to fill out our forms without having to pull files at home or text me every time he needed something. Our Trello home baseboard is seriously a lifesaver and a time saver. Next on the agenda, I'm tackling retirement stuff and investments. I have a lot of different fragmented retirement accounts left over from the various companies I've worked for. And I haven't technically paid into my own retirement since I left my full-time job in 2016. Yes, I know this is irresponsible, and the best time to deal with it is now. I'll be pulling all the details associated with each of my existing retirement accounts so I can decide what to do next. I don't exactly know what that next step looks like. I have some ideas, but the first step is gathering the info. The very last piece of the puzzle swings from family finances back over to business. I'll be raising my time management coaching prices in March and want to bring a comprehensive look at our family finances, my business finances, and most importantly, the value I'm providing my clients in their time transformation when I'm making those pricing decisions. If I could have it my way, you know I'd help everyone nail time management for free because it can be so life-changing. And that's a big reason why I started this podcast. It gives me an opportunity to share valuable time management, productivity, life, and work tips so you can take from it what you can and spend time on what matters most to you. If you're not ready to invest in one-on-one time management coaching, This podcast is a great free resource where I share a lot of the same strategies that I use with my clients. 
And if you are ready to say goodbye to overwhelm and take that next step, now is definitely the time to reach out. As of today, I have only five one-on-one spots remaining on a first-come, first-served basis. To learn more and apply, head over to AnnaDCornick.com forward slash work with me. All right, so there you have it. I've covered a lot in this episode. Really pulled back the curtain on how I stay on top of money for our family and my business with Finance Fridays. Shared exactly how I paid off thirteen grand in credit card debt a few years ago. And given you a rundown on how I'm pressing the reset button on our family finances, insurance, and retirement stuff, as well as my business finances and pricing in finance February. My Finance Friday checklist is waiting for you over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 15, as well as a list of my spending categories and a list and links to the services that I subscribe to in my business. As awkward as talking about money can be, I would love to hear from you on this subject. How do you keep track of your family finances? Do you use YNAB or something like it? If you're a freelancer or a solo or small business owner, what does your retirement setup look like? Do you use Profit First? Do you have your version of a Finance Friday? Let me know over in the It's About Time podcast community over on Facebook. We're a small but mighty group, and we'd love for you to join the conversation. Come find us at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash community. Before you head out to gather up all your retirement info, let me tell you a little bit about next week's episode, episode 16. Episode 16 features an interview with Caitlin Fontenot, who is a total powerhouse. She's the founder and lead designer of Kate Studio, a branding and web design company specializing in retail. She's a mom, manages a team of designers located across the country, and she makes carving out time for her health and wellness a top priority. I learned so much from her, and I know you'll be inspired by Kate too, so be sure to tune in next week. All right, that's it for today. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. And I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.